0: hey guys sorry to interrupt the podcast real quick but before we get started here Rodrigo and Jaron are not able to join this one and I may mention this in the intro actually but nonetheless Rodrigo did want to you know give a little debrief over the last three games kind of wrap up his thoughts and things of that nature Um, you know the topic of the podcast today is going to be what exactly is the direction of this Mavericks team and you know I talk a lot and allude a lot to these last three games and the sort of different dynamics we've seen between how good the Mavericks played in that heat game versus how bad they played in that, you know, that fourth quarter, that Clippers game. And, you know, that abysmal defensive game versus the Wizards and just like very much questioning, you know, overarchingly, like how bad the defense is. And, you know, Rodrigo, he wasn't able to join for this podcast unfortunately, but he wanted to give a little brief summation of, you know, his thoughts over the last few games. So uh, without further ado, is going to be his thoughts and then we're gonna segue back to my intro and then we're gonna get uh, go the ad break and then we got the podcast for you guys so um let's get on to it
1: so as you guys probably now know I am not a part of this episode tonight because of prior commitments but hey I'll probably be hopefully I'll be back for next uh next podcast um, if everything can line up but I did decide to send the boys this message just, you know, so that they can actually have something on me. And, you know, uh, some of my comments, you guys can get some of my comments. The listeners can get my thoughts on this game is, again, the Mavericks fall 126 to 125. I guess the first thing that comes to mind, uh, first off, sorry, Jaren, uh, because you told me during the game that, you know, you were undefeated. Every time you went to a Mavericks game and you, you were able to, you told me the story, you guys told me the story about how you guys caught the Luka 60 piece. I'm so sorry. I mean, at least I got a chance to see a Luka 40 piece, but hey, you know, that, that, that doesn't help out any in the end because, again, the Mavericks can't seal the deal, seems like, unfortunately, on defense was really the biggest issue. There was one really, really big play at the start of the fourth quarter with Kyle Kuzma who, again, will get, bet- we'll get, I'll get. Into the Spencer Dinwiddie, Kyle Kuzma beef here in a second, where Spencer Dinwiddie went ahead and moved to the left, and Kyle Kuzma was just left wide open for a three. I guess Spencer thought that the kick was coming out to that, uh, to the really top part of the three point line, as opposed to the corner part of the three point line. And again, Kuzma was found wide open and and nailed a a three-pointer at the start of of the fourth quarter. It wasn't a a crucial... When you look at it, really microscopically speaking, it's not a very, very big deal. But then when you look at it in the magnitude or in the overall spectrum of the game, plays like that eventually end up hurting you in the long haul. And again... The Mavericks really could not do much or muster up anything on defense. Dwight Powell had his best game as a Maverick, darn near. I think he had a 26-point game sometime earlier. uh, But the 22-point game, I think nine rebounds as well. He almost had a double-double. So that was pretty good. Again, Luka dropping 41. I think it was 41-15-3 and or something like that. Um, And then uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, I think, had 20 himself. Uh, and, and one thing too, that I do also want to touch up on and hopefully the boys can, can look into or, or touch on, on, on their side of the podcast is how this front office can't seem to take a shred of accountability. And I'll start with Mark Cuban because the fire Mark Cuban poster guy sign, uh, or sign poster guy, whatever, whatever, however you want to want to call him, um, the poster guy the, the the firemark cuban poster guy was at the game and had security take away his sign folks we live in america i mean this is th- that's free speech that's that that's 100% free speech he wasn't being nasty he wasn't being rude he's expressing his thoughts and that his thoughts should be firemark cuban Rightfully so, because of the -the on-the-court product is so bad on defense. On offense, it's firing on all cylinders. As a matter of fact, it's firing more than it's ever have. Josh Green is back. He looked electric in one of the first games back. But the fact of the matter is that this front office cannot take any accountability for themselves or for the product that they put on the court, and the fans' reactions is 100% justified. On that same note, when you really, really look at it in the grand scheme of things, yeah, sure, you know, Cuban has the right to, you know, take that fan's poster away or blah, 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 because he's, but again, how can you not expect a fan reaction like that when you're putting an on-the-court product that cannot hold a team under 126 points? Spencer Dinwiddie, despite what you may think about what he said to Kyle Kuzma and the Washington Wizards that they're not playing winning basketball or that they're not aiming to win anything that they that they're just showcasing. In spite of what you may think of those comments, he's right. The Mavericks should be defending, should be playing defense better. It's plain and simple as that. A team should not allow hundred twenty plus points. And still lose. We saw that with the San, Ant- San Antonio Spurs. I mentioned it to Jaron during the game. The San Antonio Spurs scored 120 points a couple nights ago. And led up 140. You are not the San Antonio Spurs. You are the Dallas Mavericks with Luka Doncic. A MVP caliber player on your court. And you still can't muster up enough defensive plays to win a ball game. That is shameful the fact of the matter is again in spite of what you may think about the the poster guy and in, in spite of, of of everything else spencer dinwiddie is right on a lot of things he said and and the truth hurts the truth hurts if you can't handle it walk out seriously it, it it's as plain as simple it's as plain and simple as that um I'm, I'm just gonna be i'm being perfectly honest here um other observations, I guess, that I made um, again. Lucas' frustration again was very, very, uh, very well noted. Um, Is just that you know, uh, how can you not be frustrated when you have uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. jacking up threes and only scoring five points out of all the threes that he ja- was able to jack up? Um, uh, it, it's 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 a complete mess. The Mavericks right now are a complete mess. Um, and as far as the trade de- deadline is concerned, your three, un- four untouchables, in my eyes, are Spencer Dinwiddie, Christian Wood, Luka Doncic, hundred percent, obviously. Um, let's see, I see Wood, Josh Green, Luka Doncic, and Spencer Dinwiddie, because he's the only, he's one of the only ones that can really break down a game. And even if you do want to keep him as a sixth man or as a, as a starter or whatever you want to do with with Spencer Dinwiddie. You know, at the end of the day, he has, I think, played good enough to keep himself a spot here. Everybody else, DP, I mean, again, he's just very streaky. Tim Hardaway, same thing. Reggie Bullock is finding his stride, but he didn't do that well last night that I'm aware of. I think he had maybe like 10 or 11 points that I I can recall. Uh... Dorian Finney Smith. I mean, all those guys for the right price, I'd ship them off to whoever wants them, really. And I've seen rumors that it could be Ogn and Obi. I've been, you know, wanting Ogn and Obi as a Maverick for the longest time. Uh, So uh, again, we'll see as the trade deadline gets closer and closer. We will see what happens with this Dallas Mavericks team. Um, I will hopefully be back. What is it? Friday. Yeah, Friday after the Phoenix Suns to to touch up on that that game. And hopefully we can bounce back because, yeah, this team is starting to go into free fall. And they're in seventh place right now in the Western Conference and I think second or third place in the Southwest Division. So that is definitely not good. But I will see everybody on Friday, hopefully. <laughs> and yeah, uh, it's Rigo signing out. I'm pig Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in I lose you That's a boss move, maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me, I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony
0: welcome to the mainstream mass podcast this is your host will i'm unfortunately not joined here today by my co-host rodrigo or Jaron, due to some pre-existing circumstances but nonetheless we are going to be getting into the mavericks last three games it is a stretch that's kind of been very emblematic of the maverick season very up and down as the mavericks have kind of teetered in that sort of above 500 area throughout this whole season it's been a re- really weird stretch as of late that's kind of persisted amidst the Mavericks kind of trying to counteract some of these injuries that are happening to them as they approach the all-star break. And I really think that these last three games to an extent are kind of a microcosm of the season in terms of the Mavericks really don't have a direction right now. They have not picked a direction. Uh, Some nights like the game against the heat a few nights ago, they look like a team that is of caliber, you know, when they're hitting their shots and they're clicking and, you know, they're able to be very switchable on defense. They look like a team that is able to beat, you know, top five teams in the NBA on night in night out basis. And then, you know, this last game versus the wizards. And then the, this game versus the Clippers the other day where they had that fourth quarter collapse, uh, they look like they could get run out of the gym by anybody. So there's a lot of sort of compelling narratives to get into in regards to how the Mavericks are kind of just unable to, really have any sort of consistency this season Uh, we see them it's just a very big up and down effect the Mavericks last year were able to turn the page at this point in the season they were on track and they started winning games you know Uh, once we got to towards the end of January they really started to get going right and this team just simply has not done that this year so um, they're slightly over 500 right now as we you know we're kind of approaching steadfast towards the all-star break of course we're going to be back with more post-game podcasts for you guys every night as Uh, We ride it out till the All Star break, of course, but nonetheless, before we get into this podcast, here's an ad from our sponsor, Anchor. All right, guys. So, getting into it here, Jaron actually sent me a stat today that actually took me aback a little bit. The Mavericks are two and eight in their last 10 games. Now, you know, reason being, obviously, the Mavericks have definitely skidded this last little recent stretch. And I think as a fan base that, you know, we definitely collectively knew that, but for them to be two and eight in the last 10 games is definitely, you know, took me aback. And it was definitely a little bit of a surprise to me. I I earnestly did not think that they had slid to that degree amidst this recent stretch. And at this point in the season, they're 25 and 24. At one point being, I think six or seven games over 500. Now they're only one game above 500. So obviously the Mavericks, you know, these, these last three games against the Clippers, Heat, and Wizards have all, you know, had their ups and downs, but it's definitely emblematic of a larger little recent stretch, I think, right, and I kind of want to dissect this in terms of looking at the positives and negatives of this stretch for the Mavericks, right, because they've dealt with some injuries, and they're definitely not totally, you know, the Mavericks aren't all to blame for all these struggles that have persisted over this little recent stretch, but I mean, to say the least, a lot of the things that they are doing definitely to a degree, I think at least, you know, serve to have some sort of solutions or at least could be patched to some certain degree. So we're going to be getting into that here today. First off, though, I'd like to talk about the positives because I do feel as if there's a lot less of those and there are negatives, unfortunately. Right. And I, you know, I would I would rather save the bad energy for when I've been rolling a little harder on the podcast, you know, once I really get churning and everything, but we'll warm up with some, you know, beautiful, nice Mavericks talk here. So I think the first positive, you know, especially amidst this recent stretch, um, you know, continually he seems to be the overarching positive and he is a guy that, you know, no matter what is happening regarding the team, you know, he has the occasional off game. There are things that we can nitpick about his game, but of course, that is Luka Doncic, right? He has scored 34, 29, and 41 in his last three games. He is still a offensive powerhouse to whatever sort of degree you would want to label him. He is utilizing basically every single aspect of offensive basketball um, to an extent, you know, he is operating in the post. He is probably the best player in the NBA right now, just in terms of manipulating the pick and roll and, you know, playing you based on the pick and roll coverage that he gets countered with. He is totally on a different level. He's a complete three level score. He, I mean, I don't know his exact numbers in terms of his points accounted for, um, you know, between his points and assists that he's having per game, but they have to be off the charts. Uh, you know, at one point he was the highest usage rate in the league I still think that that's true he's he's having an MVP year uh, but if the Mavericks continue to slide then you know he's not going to be in the conversation just due to record of course but um, I mean he amidst this recent stretch nothing has really took a fall off from Luka he's still him really except his defense which we'll all get into later his defense has definitely not been on par with what it was earlier in the season in my opinion that's something that we can definitely microanalyze and nitpick as we, you know, divulge later into the pod. But I do, you know, I've still been wildly impressed with how he's played on offense. As I say basically every podcast, that he doesn't have the occasional clunker off game. You know, everybody's gonna have those. It happens. Um, you know, Luca is no exception, but to say the least, he's still been playing very, very well. Next, another positive Dorian and Josh Green in this stretch, of course, having come back from injury. I believe it was um you know that first game back after the portland game where both of them came back um so no it was at hawks game rather My, yeah so yeah it was that hawks game right after the portland road stretch so they've now been back for four games um you know we're kind of obviously dialing in on these three games versus the wizards clippers and heat more specifically but nonetheless they have definitely i think both been net positives uh particularly josh green who's you know, he he doesn't look like he missed a beat out there. He's came back. He's served as an offensive valve in terms of being a guy that can attack off closeouts. He's still shooting corner threes really well. He's running the floor really well in transition. He occasionally still has the, you know, his overfouling tendencies, but I still think his defense has been really good, particularly his on-ball defense and really switchable. He's been doing all the things that we wanted him to do. I mean, he's attacking very aggressively and assertively, Um, And, you know, I mean, aggressively just in terms of the intensity that he comes off with on these drives, but assertively in terms of the way that he's able to control himself when getting to the rim. He had a spin move the other night versus the Wizards, uh, where I thought that he was definitely going to go flying out of bounds or the ball was going to get tipped or, you know, led astray somewhere, but he controlled it and made a layup. I mean, I'm not saying that Josh Green has entered the realm of third ball handler, but in terms of being a sort of pseudo offensive creator. Who has the ability to attack off a closeout, can run in transition, um, you know, is a good cutter, can can basically generate offense outside of just being a three and D wing, a guy who's going to spot up in the corner. He's been doing that in these last four games, and he has 16 points, one of his best games against the Wizards last night. He's been playing great. And I love the way that he's able to push the place for the Mavericks in transition, the way he's able to defend, and, you know, anything that we're getting from him. In terms of his offensive creation or you know, ability to attack off a closeout, things of that nature, that's that's a plus in itself. But he's played great, Dorian, right? He's come back from that injury too that, uh, you know, that hip abductor strain or whatever it was. He's been doing good as well, okay? I mean, he's obviously there's been a couple games where he has looked like he's definitely still been trying to get into the, the groove of things, you know, particularly that Hawks game comes to mind where he definitely was getting blown by a lot more than I think we're typically used to Dorian getting blown by. But to say the least, he, you know, he's still like shot, shot decent. He hasn't really played off the charts. It's not to like a Josh Green level that I was just alluding to, of course, where Dorian's coming in and just not missing a beat after injury. You can definitely see that there's a little bit of growing pains that Dorian's still kind of missing a step at times, you know, he just looks a little slower out there overall, but I mean, he's been a, doing, he's been doing a good job. Um, I think, particularly like, you know, when a defense, when the defense misses their rotations, he's been doing a good job attacking off closeouts, definitely not in the same fashion of Josh Green. You know, he doesn't have that ability to, once he attacks a close off and then somebody helps, he doesn't have the ability to dissect that next level of defense and then try to make a move at the rim, you know, that Josh Green's been doing. And I mean, something I didn't even allude to with Josh Green was his passing uh, that that's been something where, you know, he hasn't been necessarily that valve in the four on three when Luka gets doubled, you know, is that guy who's able to facilitate in the short roll that we saw at times before his injury. But he has been doing a really good job when the Mavericks catch the defense off guard, when guys are kind of, you know, the rotations for the other team on defense sort of, you know, get all mismatched and mangled up. Josh has been doing a good job uh, diagnosing, you know, when to, you know, swing it to the corner, swing it to the wing after attacking the middle of the floor. And that's been something that, Uh, The Mavericks, you know, sorely need. And he's been doing a really good job just as a guy who can, you know, really be another passer outside of Luca, right? You know, Josh may not be the guy who's going to necessarily play make and, you know, get the ball to guys and spots in the pick and roll. But I mean, that doesn't mean that he's not a type of guy that can penetrate and kick or penetrate and catch a defense off guard and hit somebody, you know, coming on a cut. I mean, there's just a lot of different ways that. They've been using him. I mean, they used him on a V cut last night. The Mavericks did. Um, and, you know, where Dorian set a screen of him at, at the uh, low block and he was able to get the ball for a layup. I mean, he's just a really fun guy to watch. But nonetheless, back to Dorian. Um, you know, he's been shooting decent, right? The defense has been kind of spotty. It's like sometimes it's on, sometimes it's off. But he's just trying to get acclimated when coming back from injury. And I'm not necessarily blaming him for not a slow start, but definitely more kind of a mediocre Stretch here for him. I think he's really going to start to uh, catch—not, I mean, not catch fire—but he's going to start get back, getting back to his normal self here soon. So, I'm not tripping about Dorian, and I I think that he's definitely at least held his own amidst this little stretch. You know, the defense has been inconsistent, but it hasn't been asinine. It hasn't been something that is completely detrimental to this team. The defense overall for this team, which we'll get into here in a second, has been detrimental for this team, undoubtedly. Uh, but Dorian and himself, I don't believe that he is necessarily, um, you know, all to blame for a more bigger holistic problem. Right. Next up Dwight Powell, I think at least on offense, Dwight Powell has had a good little stretch here. He had, I believe a season high with 22 last night against the, the wizards. You know, it was a game where Gafford um, definitely had his woes in terms of defending Dwight Powell. He's, Gafford's definitely a great, you know, weak side help, you know, rim protector and things of that nature, but he does have his issues staying with centers man to man. That's why this the Wizards have, you know, kind of, I mean, not the Wizards specifically, but another fan base is kind of throwing him in trade talks, things of that nature, just in terms of fake trades and all that sort of stuff. But Powell did a really good job, just doing what he always does, which is being a great rim runner and, you know, just patiently spacing the floor and awaiting the ball in the dunker spot. Whenever it gets to him, you know, there were a few times, particularly last night against the Wizards where, you know, Luca would get doubled and he would drag dribble outside about half court. And he was able to find Powell under the rim for some and ones. I mean, I think even like it was either, I think like Tim at one point found him uh, under the rim for a layup, which was really surprising. They've been, uh, you know, Dwight Powell, he's been doing a better job sealing uh, when he gets in those low post positions, adding, you know, a little bit of his element and just another offensive element to his game. Right. Um, he's really picked up the slack, at least on offense with Christian Wood out, maybe not defensively, but Dwight Powell is holding his own to say the least. There obviously are always going to be the defensive issues in terms of, you know, the stark inability of him to flip his hips on defense and be able to guard out in space. And when somebody's charging at him downhill, But on offense, I mean, he's been playing his role to an absolute T. And in a game where the opposing, you know, big man is not able to counteract, you know, him effectively. And, you know, it's just particularly maybe not a good man to man defender. How can I have a game where he scores 15, 20 points, right? Just, you know, doing his job. And that's all you can ask for him. He's always a great hustle player. You know, the rebound is up and down, but the rebounding is up and down rather. But I do, I do like what I've seen from him on offense at the stretch. He's playing his role. He's, you know, he's serving as that release valve for Luca in the pick and rolls. You know, they've ran a few Spain pick and rolls with him. Um, he's been playing decent, right? And I don't want to take that away from him. He's obviously had his defensive woes. But, I mean, that's something that we can expect. You know, just given the personnel of this team, I think we can expect that to a certain degree. Maybe not as bad as they've played recently. But to a certain degree, we can expect these defensive woes just with this uh, the personnel of this team. So, you know, that's that's really it for Dwight. Uh, another guy who's kind of been doing decent lately, he's on the sort of outskirts or the fringe of the rotation per se. Uh, but Davis Bertrands, I mean, he's been shooting a little better recently. He's been running the floor every once in a while. He'll attack off a closeout, maybe shoot a mid-range jump shot or something. Um, you know, he is one-dimensional, uh, but at the same time, he's not totally one-dimensional. Every once in a while, he will do something that kind of surprise you. He's definitely sneaky athletic, which obviously I think – gets sort of intertwined with, you know, him not, I mean, it gets intertwined with the fact that he's bad at defense. So people, I think automatically associate that with him being unathletic, but on, you know, he does have the ability to kind of get out in space and transition. Sometimes he runs down the floor hard. He's, you know, he's been doing a good job occasionally, you know, once he's running off of a double, you know, sort of a, he's running like off a double back screen from, You know, two guys and he's just running as hard as he can, you know, basically wing to wing. Um, He'll catch guys off guard sometimes when the closeout, you know, comes at him so hard and he's able to get a layup or something. So he had a rougher start shooting the ball this year, but he's been starting to make a few threes here. He's been starting to get to the rim occasionally. So I've liked how he's played so far. He's obviously still a complete black hole liability, whatever, you know, synonym you want to apply to him in terms of how bad he is on defense. But he's been playing decent offensively well. Another positive that we can get into is, I think, Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, He's caught a lot of fire from Mavs fans recently. Uh, We're going to get into his comments here uh, when we get to the negative section. He had some interesting post-game comments after the Wizards game the other day. Um, And his defense has been very, very um, – it's just like very – I mean, spotty is the word that I apply to a lot of these Mavericks guys. And, I mean, I don't think that it would be any less applicable to Spencer. He, you know, his defense kind of comes in spurts and goes, you know, he had a stretch this season where he was actually serving as a really off. Well, Like he was a really good off ball defender. He was able to pick passing lanes consistently. Now he's that's probably the part of his game that he's more liable. I honestly think that he's done a little bit better defending on ball as the season's kind of treaded along, but he has a tendency to kind of get lost in rotations, not close out hard enough. Um, get caught ball watching, things of that nature as of recent. And that's kind of been detrimental to the Mavericks at the defensive end, something we'll get into here. But he's averaged 20 points and five assists per game over the last three games. You know, he's – you know, the shooting has been kind of average. Like last night he had a 6 for 15 line. But he's been shooting the ball from three really well. I still think he's above 40% last time I checked. He's definitely being a little more assertive after, you know, that stretch where, you know, at the end of December where Luka was kind of just going pure God mode. Uh, was you know basically heliocentrism down to a T where Luca was you know spearheading the offense at the point of attack, almost every possession down the floor. Right? Spencer has definitely alleviated some of the stress from him. Uh, admittedly, right? You know, Luca's still obviously the primary ball handler, playmaker, of course, for the Mavericks, but Spencer has done a great job, uh, especially a lot. Really, he's kind of like last three, five games. About being assertive, particularly in those non Luca minutes. He's doing a great job attacking. Um, you know, I, I always kind of love his ability to um, bounce to the side of the, uh, the non screen side. You know, if he, if he gets a screen every once in a while, he'll kind of throw the defense a loop and go to the weak side and, you know, kind of catch him off guard and throw it up. He does some sort of ticky tacky things to get fouls, of course, but I mean, I think he's been doing a better job getting to the rim in those minutes when he's playing with Luca. Every once in a while, he'll bring the ball up, or he'll come off a back or a down screen, and you know, get the ball at the wing, and you know, shoot a three, or you know, try to get to the rim in a pick and roll. Like he's been doing some different things, right? And I, this is the Spencer I like to see, and you know, if it, it, the Mavericks were able to ever at any point accumulate somebody that would relegate him to the bench, I mean, I still think that's the most idealistic scenario where he's that six man ball handler. But nonetheless, I mean, he's playing well offensively recently. He's still. Definitely a part of the guys that I'm going to nitpick when I get into the defensive woes and sides of things over there. Right. Um, but he's been playing well offensively. And I mean, I think lastly for the positives, I think that we have to recognize Reggie Bullock. He's still definitely having some man to man defensive issues, but he's shooting 35.3% from three on the season. And, you know, at first glance that may not look too impressive, especially for a guy that's career like 38 to 40% three point shooter. But, we do have to consider that he was below 30% for a large stretch of the season at the start. And he's, he's got it up. He's, he's been shooting really well recently. He's been doing good in his pick and pops with Luca. Anytime that, you know, Luca's doubled and it, you know, creates that domino effect where the Mavericks start passing the ball around the perimeter. And he's able to, you know, to be the recipient of that last pass he's he's been knocking it in more times than not. And he's been doing a good job shooting. We have even seen Reggie kind of attack off a closeout and shoot some jump shots a couple of times in the mid range area, not something that's been prominent. And, you know, he'll still miss, some wide open layups that you're just like, Oh, I would definitely not like this guy in my team, you know, type type sort of things. But at the end of the day, he has been shooting the ball well from three and he's serving his purpose, at least on the offensive end from that perspective. Right. So, I mean, cumulatively, I really couldn't come up with more positives than that. I mean, you know, about five positives there. And I was kind of stretching it with those last two with like Davis and Spencer three point shooting, but you know, there, we have to analyze this stretch In its entirety, we can't take something, you know, everything away from the Mavericks, but there obviously are more bad things than good that have happened throughout these last few games. There's that's undoubtable. I would definitely say that, right? And uh, it starts at defense. And whether the Mavericks are playing zone, whether they're playing man to man, whether they're playing matchup zone, um, you know, whether it's a game where they're more switch heavy, the defense has just lacked uh, effort and consistency. Um, And and the reason I say effort and it boils down to that, the Mavericks have now succumbed to being 26th in the NBA in defensive rating. Now, let me preface that defensive rating stats and, you know, defensive stats in general, uh, you have to kind of take with a grain of salt. Because though when you start getting some of those advanced splits and the way defensive stats are sort of tailor made, it, it is kind of weird when you look at the intricacies of how they make these defensive stats and the sort the certain qualifiers that some of these stats entail for you know basically like how they're calculate things of that nature and because you know defense is very much you do have to have some sort of eye test to know what you're talking about it's it's not as oh I'm just gonna go to second spectrum or basketball reference and you know I can diagnose who the best players in the league are via warp you know it's 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 you know I, I get that you know, you know, we're talking about MVP and things of that nature. Like there's, there's different stats that are more applicable in terms of diagnosing who's a better player or who's better on offense, you know, defensive rating stats, they're, they're up and down like that. Right. But nonetheless, that doesn't take away from just how bad, you know, that stat is after the Mavericks at one point in the season, you know, throughout the first, I think 15, 20 games were top 10 in defensive rating. I mean, that has to mean something. They're now 26 in defensive rating and seemingly, they they just look kind of lackadaisical at times. In the Miami game, right, the Mavericks, there was the first game where Christian Wood had missed, or was it the Hawks game? Let me check to see if Christian Wood played in the Hawks game. My brain is leaving me right here. I do apologize, my fellow mainstream Mavs comrades. Okay, yes, so Christian Wood did play in the Hawks game. That was my mistake. That was the game, of course, where he had the thumb injury, where he dunked it too hard in the fourth quarter. It was a weird sort of contusion, but – You know, he's going to be out a week or two, and the Mavericks are – we're going to get into that in a second as one of the negatives. But the Mavericks are obviously having to survive in this stretch without him. And needless to say, uh, through through three games, they're one and two. So, I mean, take that how you will, right? But defensively, you know, I think there were a lot of narratives on Mavericks' Twitter going around that, oh, are the Mavericks better defensively? Because the Mavericks – I mean, admittedly, one of the few games throughout this whole stretch that they did play really well was that Heat game. Uh, last Friday night, where the Mavericks beat the Heat. Um, I believe it was 115 to 98, unless my brain is completely leaving me. And Christian Wood uh, did not play in that game, and the Mavericks were forced to go smaller at times. Dwight Powell uh, definitely wasn't um, showcased as much as he has been, in both this Clippers and Wizards game, near as much in that game. The Mavericks deferred to playing smaller a lot. And by virtue of that, that made him a lot more switchable. And you know, I, the defensive intensity just seemed to be able to pick up a little bit more. Uh, I thought the Mavericks point of attack defenders and Josh and Reggie, I mean, even Reggie in that game that, you know, he's had his ups and downs, but in that game, I, I thought he played decent, um, you know, and Dorian, like they all did a really good job, like, you know, just man to man on hero, you know, Butler and Lowry, uh, they were keeping guys in front of them. They weren't over fouling the intensity, you know, it was was a national TV game. If I recall, the intensity just looked better. It looks like it's almost as if the Mavericks got up for it. Um, You know, I I do think the Mavericks don't have the perfect defensive roster by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, there's, you know, a lot of solvents that they can definitely apply in terms of roster management uh, maybe over the next year or two, or maybe they can't given their, um, you know, how hard pressed they are to make significant upgrades to the team. But, we do have to recognize that they played very well on that heat game and it was in no small part due to the fact of the switchability and the ability to go small. Now I will say that the heat, you know, they do have Bam Adebayo who's a very dynamic center, but he's only like six, nine. Uh, they don't have some sort of uh, persistent, you know, especially in the way that they're using ban this year, they're using him more that elbow area They're, they're running a lot of offense through him. He's definitely not a guy at this stage in his career. Who's getting as many, you know, pick and rolls where he's running straight to the rim, you know, trying to catch a lot of pass. I'm not saying that that's totally just devoid from his game, but that's not something we're seeing as much from uh, from him at this juncture in his career. And I, I think that that was definitely a contributor in terms of how the Mavericks defense was able to work in that game, because uh, just the, the fact that there wasn't a threat at the rim consistently, especially in those non-band minutes, the Heat were forced to play small too. And the Mavericks, you know, they were, reliant on their perimeter defense in that game and sure I mean some negative shooting regression from the heat they kind of got a little lucky with some of that sort of stuff but I mean overall like they did a really good job forcing the issue at the point of attack and you know there definitely just seemed like an increased sense of urgency I I mean I don't know what exactly changes in you know the rest of these this stretch where the Mavericks have went two and eight but I mean that heat game did look pretty good right I and defensively there's no negating that uh, the Mavericks defenders just serve to be a lot more switchable and I mean I can go back to the box score here just to see how many minutes Dwight Powell played in that game but I, I oh it was 115 to 90 so my apologies Mavericks actually held the heat to a lot less than I configured at first And I mean ever, nobody on the heat scored about 20 point. Oh, Oladipo did but um, on wildly efficient shooting of course but he only had exactly 20 and I mean Dwight Powell I mean he played 33 minutes in that game but um, you know, I, you know, Josh Green and Reggie both played 28 and 27 off the bench. And, you know, when I said Dwight Powell wasn't showcased as much, I mean, I, I don't know. I just felt like they were doing a better job of hiding him on those wings and those guards on the Heat. You know, they played Dorian a lot more on Bam, I noticed in that game. You know, he, he got those five assignments and the Heat just didn't really have the size to be able to counteract what the Mavericks were doing um, defensively. And, and that was one of the few games this season where uh, the mavericks like held an opponent under 100 points we really haven't even seen that that much and i mean it was a it was impressive from that standpoint and it was actually like fun to watch but the the last two games there's definitely been a stark difference just in terms of the mavericks of how they've operated defensively and that's and it's definitely been more you know it's a microcosm and more emblematic of this bigger 10 game stretch where the mavericks went two two and eight in their last 10 uh just in terms of how they played defense right because they for what you know the Mavericks do mix in zone. They do, you know, mix some, some matchup zone and, you know, some games are more switch heavy than not depending on the opponent. Right. Um, You know, all those different elements, we saw them incorporate in the heat game as well. Um, So that, that kind of tells me that it's probably not really schematic, right. The Mavericks issues are more so boiling down to personnel and effort, right. I mean, effort is, you know, contingent in some of these games, you know, I think we saw more applied effort in this heat game, but also it was probably a matchup that boded well for the Mavericks because, uh, or boarded well, boarded or boated. Oh my gosh. My, my mistake guys. Sort of botched there. Um, but I, I think that that uh, matchup just boded well, more so for the Mavericks because the heat, you know, particularly, you know, when Bam's out they're they're playing a lot of like five out and things of that nature. They, they have a tendency to go smaller that, that helped the Mavericks in stretches defensively in that game. Uh, but, you know, when we see the Clippers where they have, you know, Zubac playing or the Wizards where, you know, they have the ability to throw Gafford out there, things of that nature, those guys in themselves are not what's directly impacting the game defensively. But at that point, you know, once you start to involve Dwight Powell and pick and roll scenarios, uh, basically for lack of a better term, you know, everything goes to uh, – shit for the Mavericks you know um, at, at that point we we do see a lot of failed pick and roll coverage from the Mavericks White Powell trying to play sort of that in between the screen game where he can't decide if he should hedge or if he should play back and you know he you know when he does switch on to somebody on those brief occasions in a pick and roll he gets beat quickly by a guard or you know if the point of attack defender in front of Dwight gets beat, and what you're asking Dwight to be your weak, weak side health protector. Uh, I mean, that that's a task in itself, just basically good luck. So, I mean, that, that the point of attack is essentially where the Mavericks are losing because they're getting beat on the perimeter. And then they're heavily, heavily reliance on Powell is the only big amidst all these, you know, amidst Christian Wood and Maxie being injured. Uh, that that's a tall task for a guy who has been an average, uh, you know, at best defender throughout his NBA career too. You know, and I I think that that's that's a big part of it. Like I said, just personnel. And, you know, the Mavericks don't have a lot of guys right now. If we obviously want to segue into how the Mavericks point of attack defense is, how the perimeter defense has been doing. I mean, outside of, you know, Josh Green when he's in there and the occasional, you know, flashback Dorian defensive possessions, you know, he's still, like I said, he's still kind of trying to get his step back. Um, Reggie has been particularly lackluster on ball. He's I think Reggie's still been doing a decent job. Um, in terms of trying to you know stick with guys he, he's not a guy who gets caught up ball watching or misses rotations but he's been getting blown by a lot and there's no negating that and that's hurting the Mavericks a lot and Spencer um, and you know the guys that we really don't look to as defenders near as much like Spencer Dinwiddie of course Luka Doncic and you know on top of that we have um, Tim Hardaway Jr. I was, I was trying to figure out his name right I don't know how I missed that but you know those three guys those are guys that are huge offensive um, you know contributors to the Mavericks and they have definitely failed um, supremely and just over this last little stretch defensively from the standpoint that I mean I really think all three of them uh, I think Tim out of all three of them has actually been the best defensively which Uh, you know his track record would say otherwise but he's been actually doing a decent job when he's you know lined up man-to-man on somebody but all three of those guys have had really really bad issues um in terms of their ball watching getting lost and caught up on rotations um you know just um you know missing coverages um you know sometimes occasionally not even you know making the right switch you know luca i thought luca's already always good kind of about making the right switch just because it was, you know, his basketball IQ is off the charts. But even he, um, he's getting blown by so much. He, you know, the effort just isn't there consistently. You know He honestly looks like very, uh, like he looks tired on that end. And, you know, he, like he's just conserving energy for the offensive end. I mean, to an extent, I mean, that's a bigger discussion to be had, but can you blame him when he's playing 35 to 40 minutes a game? I mean, I don't know. And it, it, it has led the Mavericks, you know, when you don't have a rim protector, you know, Christian Woods like a pseudo rim protector. He he's a decent one, right? You know, but that's not even his optimal role um, in terms of a defense being a defensive player on the Mavericks, right? And then you surround him with basically four non defenders, except for Dorian, who you know basically depending on the possession, whether you know ever since he's got his mojo back, it that kind of um, you know or as he's getting his mojo back, rather that that kind of is contingent upon whether he's you know, he's going to have a good defensive possession to get blown by or not. We've seen the Mavericks' defense suffer heavily, and, I mean, it it just comes down to personnel at the end of the day. And with all these injuries to Maxi and everybody, they just don't have what it takes. I mean, there are solutions that the Mavericks could maybe dive into, you know, maybe play a little more Frank Nittlachina. I mean, he was getting some run uh, before this little stretch happened. He was actually playing quite well defensively. You know, he he does have his his failures and his um, inconsistencies on offense – Um, But even on that end, he he definitely picked up the slack to an extent. Is is he that release valve the Mavericks could look to instead of playing, you know, Davis a little bit more? I don't know. Like I I do think that the defensive issues on this team are so dire that they need to start looking at some different things. Maybe play, you know, maybe insert Josh Green, the starting lineup over like Tim Hardaway Jr. Like that would be a drastic change, but, or, or even Spencer, but is the Mavericks defense so um, riddled Um, with you know this non-effort and you know this this sort of loathsome you know tiredness from Spencer Luca and Tim at the point of attack these guys who are not able to you know always you know be there on rotations are you know getting kind of lackluster at times you know I I make it seem like they just don't do anything but I I do want to you know at least give them some sort of credit where it's due because I mean obviously like I couldn't go out into an NBA court and run around for 48 minutes and play solid defense. Like I, I do get, it's tired some, but I mean, these are, these guys are getting paid to do this. They're getting paid to ascend to that next level and put in the extra effort, even if that's not necessarily what their game is known for. And I mean, I, I get the exception in Lucas case because, you know, the usage rate, how much of an offensive burden he carries, but I mean, you know, especially for Dinwiddie and Tim, like, I mean, it, the, the ball watching and things of that nature, you know, particularly when closing out on guys is, is starting to get inexcusable and, I mean, the Mavericks are getting beat at the point of attack. And then, um, you know, when Dwight Powell is – when you're basically segueing everybody to Dwight Powell in the paint, I mean, good luck. Like Kyle Kuzma had a play last night where he absorbed, like, all of Dwight Powell's body contact and, like, easily finished over him. And, I mean, when the Mavericks do choose to go small throughout this stretch, you know, they've been having some times where they've played Bertans as a five. You know, they played Dorian as a five. Um, they just simply haven't had the perimeter defense, you know, barring that Miami game to back it up they're they're getting beat consistently. And, um, you know, they they've had a tendency to play some zone sometimes when they go small things of that nature. Um, but to the level of which the Mavericks are conceding these three pointers, I mean, they're, they're not just, it's not kind of like your typical, you know, Oh, the Mavericks are playing a two, three zone and they, they got a, you know, the heat got an open three oh oh no. Right. I'm just giving an example. Right. It, it, it's been like, no, like the other team is wide open with, with no guy within eight feet of him and no guy not even attempting to even put a hand up at the last second like they could they could just care less like that is an issue in itself and that's something that that de- definitely is neg- need is going to need to get patched right um because uh, i mean i don't know where these woes are coming from because i mean the Mavericks defense sure was bad before this but at this point it's really starting to get to a level where i mean it, it's like inexcusable effort right and um obviously that's that's not something that you know I necessarily saw it coming, but when, you know when you get past that mid-season marker, things can start to eat up to you. And I mean, I think that that that's kind of where the problems lie. Um, so I mean, so we'll see where they go with things, but uh, that's definitely been the biggest negative. Um, I, I think undoubtedly that's been the biggest negative. Um, and I mean, yeah, it, that kind of shows that it's like counterintuitive whether Christian Wood is part of the defense or not, or how he relates to this defense, because I mean, yes, they did have that one good game with the heat when they played small, but I I do earnestly think that the problems stem deeper than that, because we've seen these last two games with the Clippers and the wizards where, I mean, they've, they've gone small and there's still been effort and rotational issues. So, I mean, I mean, I guess that's my answer in um, summation kind of to the, the Christian Wood question posed by a lot of fans on Twitter, whether, you know, they'd be a better defense with or without him. I mean, I guess only time will tell to an extent uh, but, you know, I guess my, if I had to pick a side right now, I'd probably go with the uh, the former there. And I would probably say that, hey, like this team's defensive issues definitely stem deeper than him. Right. Um, another inconsistency that's kind of been happening as of recently, um, it's kind of just Tim Hardaway Jr.'s inconsistency. He was on a, you know, a nice little hot stretch there for about five, 10 games. Uh, last kind of five, 10 games, I mean, he's had some, you know, nice haymakers where he scored over 20 shot. Well, like that Clippers game, he played really well, but you know, then that heat game he only had eight, the other night he only had five on one for 10 shooting. You know, I know Tim Hardaway jr. is Sort of the um sort of trademark of his game is, you know, the ability, He's a, you know, a very streaky player, the ability to kind of pop off whenever, but also shoot really bad sometimes. Uh, but you'd still like him to be at least give you like something more so than like just one for 10 and bad defense. I mean, Uh, hopefully he can figure that out a little bit, but you know, he hasn't been playing terribly, uh, this season, of course he's had his moments, so I'm not going to rip him too hard. Uh, the other night versus the wizards Luca ripped his Jersey in frustration after missing a free throw that would potentially tie the game with, I think about like 20 or 30 seconds left. Um, I'm just kind of trying to pick up on trends recently, you know, whether it be on court or kind of more so, um, the uh, sort of antics that persist with these guys and um, day-to-day as we monitor the team. And I mean, Luca, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm not going to say that that's like emblematic of Luca, you know, Oh, he was just compiling all his frustration from the whole season into one Jersey ripping. But I mean, you know, I, I take it with definitely a grain of salt. but I mean, it must, I think it means a little something like, you know, that you have to be pretty frustrated for something like that to happen. Things uh, not just in that game had to have been going bad, but just overall, but he is a competitor and, you know he we we've seen him do that in the past. It's just been a minute since he's done it, so I did want I did pick up on that and I did want to take note of that. But it, it definitely wasn't something that I'm like putting a lot of stock to or a lot of credence into. Um, something else that I think is an interesting narrative to kind of monitor going forward is uh, Jason Kidd. Um, not you know whether he has job security or not. I mean we know that the front office is granting him that, but um, I, I mean I think that recently he's kind of been a little enigmatic in terms of how he's operated with the rotations. Right? Uh, we haven't seen hardy play these last two games for whatever reason he played a little bit in that heat game didn't really do the best just in like a few minutes of play and was seemingly pulled right after you know i talked a little bit about maybe they should play frank a little more um is there anything jason can do jason kid can do to fix the defense or is this all on the players all on the personnel the guys just not being fired up or energetic enough i mean i don't know like uh could there be some stock into part of it being jason kid yeah i mean it could be it could his defense could be getting figured out because you know his his switches and his zones you know this defense that He had worked so good in Milwaukee that one year was like a top 10 defense when he was over there and they fell off the next year. Could the same thing be happening in Dallas? Is it partly his fault? I don't know. I do think that we might have to put a little bit of stock into it though. Um, You know, I would like to see Jaden Hardy play a little more too, as I just alluded to, like, I don't, I do think the Mavericks had sorely use a little more, you know, pop off the bench. Just, I mean, I mean, Jaden Hardy, even if, you know, you're not relying on him for that, that playmaking aspect of it. I mean, he can provide um, a little bit of defense. I mean, probably better man-to-man defense than a lot of guys that are uh, starting in, you know, or in those lead roles coming off the bench for the Mavericks. And, I mean, it, it, that's at least what we've seen from him this year. I mean, yes, we had the defensive liability questions coming into him from the draft, right? But, I mean, he showed that he, he he's at least capable, right? So, I don't know. There's there's credence to the fact that he could play a little more. So, I mean, that that definitely comes across as some, some sort of enigmatic decisions from Jason Kidd, you know obviously there's the typical cliche Jason kid should, you know, be more fired up and, you know, try to get uh you know, be, bring some more passion to the game, stand up for his players more. I mean, to his credit, like he did get a tech last night. So I was going to make that part of the podcast, but since you got a tech last night, we're going to him some slack, <laughs> um, you know, otherwise uh, you know, one, uh, you know, this is just a singular play and I'm not going to, you know, just, you know, empty everything in the tank in terms of, how much it actually matters, but uh, the last uh, play versus the Wizards the other night was—I uh, don't know—it was—it was contingent upon a team that did not have a contingency plan, to, to say the least. Um, you know, there was about uh, five seconds left, and the Mavericks were down one after Kuzma went one for one at the line, and the Mavericks inbounded the ball to Luca after he came off of a down screen. And the whole concept is they knew the Wizards were going to double, so they're trying to uh, get Tim Hardaway the Jr., the inbounder, the ball off a like give-and-go. But uh, it was just very tightly compact, and it didn't even look like a good play that would work at first. Um, you know, It, it would you know, kind of involve a perfect pass. There was no sort of weak side rotation from the Mavericks' offensive players to try to get an open. And the, the, uh, the play failed the first time, and it, it goes off somebody's leg. Um, but then the Mavericks have 3.8 seconds left to try and do something. They run the same play again. Now, you know, in an out-of-timeout scenario like that, you, I mean, I know that, you know, it's loud in the arena. They've already, you know, you've ran the play. You kind of just have to roll with it. But, I mean, I don't know if it comes down to personnel and the players on the floor, or if it comes down to kid at least having, like, one sort of contingency or just another option off that play if the first, you know, option isn't there with the give-and-go. I I don't, you know, necessarily who know who to blame on that. But, I mean, there's got to be something where, you know, you just don't run the same play twice in a row in a scenario like that. Um, I mean, given the fact that, you know, the Mavericks did not have a timeout, I do give them the benefit of the doubt from that standpoint. They didn't have time to go back to the huddle and draw something up. But, I mean, that whole, like, little weird give-and-go thing that ended up getting picked off by dawn Wright on the second time they ran in a row, uh, it was just a really weird, bittersweet way to end, you know, definitely a bad game against a Wizards team like that, um, just in terms of how abysmal the defense was at times. but. You know, we also do have to recognize that it was a clutch game and it was one that Mavericks could have finagled and stole, but I don't know. It was, it was definitely a questionable decision to say the least, um, you know, and, and obviously I've harped on the defense of nauseam and some of these other, um, you know, sort of negatives that the Mavericks have had over this last little recent stretch. But, you know, one thing that I, I think does kind of sum up how everything's been going recently is Spencer Dinwiddie's recent quotes. Uh, you know, we obviously know Spencer Dinwiddie has some bad blood with the, wizards and what have you and you know he's not the most keen to those guys over there but some of his recent quotes are you know a little bit I don't know how much stock I put into them in terms of how much they mattered for the Mavericks team but you know it is a little alarming to an extent you know I, I think some of it is wizards bashing and some of it is kind of like we got to be better guys you know like we it's an indictment upon the Mavericks to extend. so I'll go ahead and read them for you guys real quick right uh Spencer Dinwiddie on the Mavs loss to the Wizards this was reported by Kelly Kaplan uh it's the first quote there's two quotes I'm going to tell you guys and the first one I'm going to quote this word for word. Spencer Dinwiddie said for them it's a showcase they're over there trying to get paid not trying to play winning basketball for a team that has real aspirations and has an MVP went to the conference finals last year we have to be a better we have to be better to a man and you know for Spencer to say that like yes like it is knocking the Wizards to an extent like, oh, you know, saying they're not trying to play winning basketball, even though they do have a, their record from the Mavericks is not too dissimilar. But at the same time, you know, he is throwing shade at his guys. Like we got to step up to the plate. Like we've been playing terrible defense lately, like, you know, things of that nature. And you know, anytime, anytime quotes like that emanate uh, out of the locker room, it's, it's typically not good. You know, like you just, that's typically not what you'd rather see, but um, they, they do tend to slip through the cracks sometimes when things really start to go bad. I mean, yes, like, I guess the Mavericks kind of offsetting things by, you know, winning a game and they're not, they're not on like a 10 game losing streak, but to be two and eight in the last 10 games and to, you know, be down to that six seed and seemingly in that play in territory again, that 500 territory, especially as compact as the West is right now, really just like two, three games between like five and 13. Like, I mean, Mavericks could be out of the playoff race if they just lose a couple games from here. It, it is getting to that point, guys. Like we you know, I've been on the train, like uh, a lot of people are kind of like, you know, once we get that fourth or fifth seed, they're like, oh yeah, we're we're a lock to be able the play in. Like the West is just too compact for me to say that. We'll have to see what happens, but you know, like let's not act like the playoffs are just some sort of surefire thing to happen for this Mavericks team. Like no, there are um there are there really aren't fail safes. Like something bad really could happen. So We'll end up having to see how that ends up going down, but let me go ahead and read Dinwiddie's next quote. You know, This was reported by Tim McMahon after the loss to the Wizards last night, of course, and I'll quote Dinwiddie word for word once again. He said, you come in here and get in a shootout with the Warriors last year, the Celtics this year, or something like that. It's a little bit different tone, right? Not exactly stalwarts over there. So, you know, it's more kind of sort of cliche stuff, him trying to throw shade at the Wizards, um, this one a little less. Um, this one, I, I think, had a little less stock into it just in terms of how much media coverage it picked up. But we we do have to recognize that, you know, it, it's also not good in terms of the perception league-wide when, you know, you're throwing shade over at those guys and they just beat you. You, know, you, you. you know, talking trash is typically reserved for the guys that win. And I don't know. It's like, you know, he is indicting the Mavericks and, you know, asking them to step up to the plate. But uh, I mean I know he came from a weird situation in Washington, so I'm not gonna knock him too much because it was another Mavericks um, you know, guy saying this. So it'd be definitely raising more alarm bells. But you know, you don't you definitely don't wanna, you know, burn bridges and say things like that. Cause Kyle Kuzma quote tweeted uh, the Spencer quote after the game and was like, and you know, and, you know, we're really not all that I can't remember exactly what he said. Let me let me pull up the Kuzma tweet because uh it was um Kind of a uh, sad. Let's see. So yeah, Kyle Kuzma quotes we did the Cali Kaplan tweet and said, the funny thing is they don't play winning basketball. And I mean that that just makes us look like fools because we have a very similar, you know, record to the Wizards, the whole heliocentric his heliocentrism weird narrative that goes around the national media that shouldn't be a thing because Luca obviously you know, transcends winning for this team. And without him, they'd be basically nothing. But nobody in the national media can fail to realize that. So, you know, it it just furthers, like, stupid national media narratives when Spencer says something like that. And you just don't want to see it, especially at a time like this. Like, I'd rather him trade a little more carefully, talk a little bit more about what the Mavericks could do better. But obviously there's some bad blood there with the Wizards. And, you know, what's said is done. So let's see if the Mavericks can kind of back up what they're doing here. And I hope, you know, it's what Spencer said, you know, the Mavericks start to fix fix some of these things. Some of these things start to come into fruition, but you know things admittedly are looking like kind of bleak, especially in this little stretch here. Um, the Mavericks do play these Suns tomorrow night, Thursday night, or I guess for those of you listening tonight, Thursday night at nine o'clock um, in Phoenix. Phoenix starting to get some of their guys guys back. Um, Cam Johnson's back. Chris Paul's back. I don't know if Booker's back yet, but um, and that'll be a tough game, especially uh, you know with the injuries that are kind of running their course through the Mavericks right now with you know of course with Maxi still out and with Christian Wood still out it's not going to be easy but we'll see how they uh they counteract it this stretch is really interesting right now and you know it's January 25th and or January 26th rather and I still don't feel as if this team has an identity which is a a little bit uh concerning to say the least because that's been the narrative going forward all years like what is the Mavericks identity and you know that's the topic of this podcast like are they winning or are they losing? Like what, what direction are they picking? You know, are they just going through a rush stretch? You know, I know the league is a game of runs and that's even em- more so emblematic to games or, you know, or stretches of games, not just like in one particular game, but this is, this is a tough stretch right here. This is definitely one of the lower points of season being two and a right now and that around that 500 marker. They, they're either going to go up or down right here. I mean, this is, this is the stretch that's going to make or break the season. That's why I denoted the, title of this podcast the um you know what direction is this mavericks team going to pick um but yeah to uh, say the least we'll be back for you guys after the sun's game tomorrow night um you know it's a it's a real sort of weird situation the mavericks are in but hopefully they pull through and they at least pick a direction that's all i ask if they can just pick a direction we had a lot of trade deadline stuff coming up who knows if the mavericks will make a move but we'll be hopping on the ball it's been a lot of reports over the last few days that there's an increased sense of urgency for the mavericks to do something so Really interesting to see how that goes. We're going to have a full trade deadline debrief over the next few days. We're going to be in some nice po- trade deadline podcasts out. So we're really excited for you guys. Um, we are going to have Rodrigo and Jaren back for the next one, or Jaron's going to be back for the next one. Um, and then after that, we should have all three of us back. So uh, we're going to be cranking out that trade deadline podcast here soon. But uh, besides that, we'll catch you guys after tomorrow night's game versus the Suns. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at mainstream underscore maz. Make sure to like and subscribe. If you're on the YouTube game, comment down below. How do you think the Mavericks versus Suns game is going to go tonight? If you are listening via YouTube, if you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other podcast platform out there, make sure to um, subscribe and follow us and give us a five-star rating. If you so please, if you really enjoy our content, we do appreciate you guys who have listened this far in the podcast. And with that being said, We will catch you in the next one. Peace out.